Pardon me for uh, getting that. Okay, so here we go. Uh oh, I've got a problem with my phone. Okay. Uh, I thought that it would be worthwhile just to take a moment to summarize or to try to, to, try to crystallize the main idea of last week because uh, there was a lot there. And uh, I think that's sort of uh, valid. Uh, I, will, I also would like to ask everyone to try to have in mind in the good effort that we're going to try to make as a first name for Bavram Dov and Chana, that's Eddie Friedman's father, who's having some heart surgery tomorrow, early in the morning. So we talked about um, entire Bria being for the sake of Hashem bestowing the ultimate maximum good. That's Hashem himself. And the suggestion is that that awareness itself is a powerful cause for simcha to a person. Just to know there is an Eivishter, such lameness, as manifests in one example of his Midah which is to give how much good to a created being, to the person, the maximum that's possible to give to him. But I think that's what helps us very much because this is, this is great, this is lofty, but it's a Vashem. It's hard to maintain the connection to it. When we know that our mitzvahs are critical to bring about that plan, that when we're doing them, we are actually engaging in that which is bringing about that plan. We are connecting to Hashem innately in what we're doing. Some things in a very big way, some things in a smaller way, everything contributing. So it's not merely that we can have the simcha over the fact that we're going to be receiving this great chesed of Hashem. Not only because we're involved in bringing it about, but just that awareness that what we are doing is a connect is rooted in that is all stemming from that enables us to gain and maintain an awareness of the root shlemus of Hashem himself of Hashem's midah to give maximum good and that itself is adequate cause for simcha it doesn't have to be only because which is also contributing that I am making it come about, that I am connecting to it. Just my connection to it sort of brings to my mind, enables me to maintain the awareness of where it's stemming from, Hashem and His Chesed, which is Sholem, which is infinite, which is manifest by His wanting to give us so much, so much good. Okay, that was, I would say, would be the uh, best sort of, summary in a nutshell of uh, the idea of last week. But I think that's, you know, uh, it, it could help us a lot to step by step try to see how what we're doing is part of this process. To be able to have the experience in the here and now to understand as best we can, to relate as best we can to 
what we are doing in helping to bring about Hashem's fantastic that we will receive. So it was uh, requested that um, it would be worthwhile, suggested and requested, to find something that could help us to have a better experience in davening. Which is, of course, um, no small task, but nevertheless very worthwhile since that's one of the main uh, mitzvah, clearly misrelated actions that we do during the day, davening brachos. If we could uh, have a better experience with that, that would be terrific. And it goes without saying that the more that we understand it, the more that we relate to it, the more effective it is. And we want that. We do want to understand. We want to know how this is helping as much as we could. So I had the thought, okay, where do we start? So I thought, I guess we should start at the beginning of the day. Let's start, we're saying, at the very beginning of the day in terms of recognizing Hashem's chesed. How we start from Moda'ani and going into the brachos. And I think, you know, if we, uh, we have the time, well, right now we all have the time because we're here, to try to imagine if we could be aware of the renewal of all our kaychas every day. We could somehow sort of be watching it unfold, experiencing it unfold. Imagine somehow being able to sense myself coming back to life gradually, seeing it unfolding. Imagine being, being aware, being able to see your, your mind starting to open up. Being able to realize, oh, it's day. Oh, seeing it like starting to start functioning. Sensing my, my muscles starting to work. Oh, I could sit up. I could stand up. If we, could, if we, if we would see the, the ground being spread out, if it was like a big ocean by our bed, and all of a sudden the carpet of the ground so it's getting spread out in front of us and we could take a step off the bed onto dry land seeing that unfolding seeing all our faculties developing i wake up i can't see and slowly i start to be able to see and things are still very very fuzzy very foggy I start getting clearer and clearer and clearer first i can't tell colors Colorblind, all of a sudden, color starts to come in. At first, I can't hear, and all of a sudden, it's very faint, and suddenly I start being able to hear, hear the birds chirping. <laughs> I start to be able to hear my alarm clock going off, <laughs> whatever it might be. Starting to hear my, my phone playing my favorite nigga to help me start the day. And all the senses, all the, all the abilities, all the feelings that we have within us starting to start functioning. 
So, you know, it's hard to imagine this being a daily experience. How about like imagining experiencing this one time in our life? What that would be like? And actually, this is what the Chovas Lovas is talking about at the beginning of Shachesh Nefesh. Imagining if I was abandoned as, a, as an infant, where I couldn't have survived, someone takes me in. Imagine if one of my limbs stopped functioning, the doctor was able to restore it, to start to refunction. What kind of feeling that would be towards that person if, if my mind wasn't functioning and someone was able to, to cure me and enable it to start working again. What kind of feeling that would be the, the contrast from the loss of it to the regaining of it. And this is really we uh Slabodka explained it's in What's the feeling that a person is supposed to have every morning as he is recognizing Hashem returning to him all those koiches, sight, hearing, his intelligence from the very most basic step of being able to tell the difference between night and day. And then every single level of development of able to discern letters, read, think, analyze, understand, memory, knowing, all the knowledge that a person has about anything of life, anything that's valuable, that's significant, is all coming back to him all at once. Although maybe for our you know, experience of it, it would be better if it would be gradually coming step by step into functionality. So what kind of a phenomenal experience that would be? And then we add to it, who is giving it to us? Abishta is giving it to us. Abishta is giving it to us. So to imagine that this is what the, the, the brachis are we say in the morning, are supposed to be engendering. This is, what, this is the kind of feeling that's supposed to be creating such a, such a hana, where all the sort of the, the taking for granted nature that we have, in fact, everything is really familiar, really we're accustomed to taking it for granted, that's all sort of put aside as we experience it coming back to us. So we'll be like, oh, really amazing. <clears throat> and we might wonder, like, does David want this? David want that? Is this the Kabbalah? That we should be having so much Hanoah in the Chazay Hashem of getting such gifts, such amazing fantastic qualities that each one by itself is so unbelievable. It's such a cause of so much hanor to a person when it's utilized in its best good way. I can see the sunrise, I can see the flowers, I can see the pleas of the bria. I can see, I can see Chachma. 
Of course, the answer will be yes, of course. This is what Hashem wants us to experience. Why does Hashem want us to experience it? So, we might simplistically say, oh, so we should have very great appreciation and uh, feeling of obligation to Hashem. But there could be another answer. But I want to hold on that answer for the moment. And I want to ask people, try to take a moment, if you can, to try to imagine this experience. Shem returning to me, all my kaiches of walking, of talking, of hearing, of seeing, of thinking, coming to me all at once. So it's a hard thing to do. It's good die to try. I have a hunch that there's something that might make this not so simple. The enormity of it, especially that it's so much magnified by the fact that it's Hashem Himself doing it for us. As really the Gemara in Kedushin really spells out, as the Gemara talks about. Um, is the Nasi Lai Mochol and is covered. And the more brings the riot from Avraham. He served the guests. See, the Nasi Kri Mochol and is covered is, is, is Nimchal. A person is allowed to accept the Mechila. When the Nasi Avraham is called Nasi Elokim, he's serving the guests. He wouldn't be allowed, if it wouldn't be proper, he wouldn't do it himself. It wouldn't be, be correct for Avraham to do it. And the Gemara says, Instead of bring a riot from Avram, bring a riot from Hashem. It makes the winds blow, it makes the rain come down, it makes all the vegetation grow. He sets the table before each person. Now, of course, the schema is not simple because maybe she wants it to be a Bria. But it would seem like somehow we know that the Abish is doing it in a personal way in a way that he's giving it to the person and if it would be improper for the one who is the great Bala covered to be mochel and is covered then Ebishter wouldn't be doing it in this way but, but for us naturally it is it's so powerful it could be very difficult to take in it's like overwhelming and I think that's what we have to try to do is to really try to use that mushal of Avraham Avinu and apply that. Try to imagine the scene of you are coming to be a guest of Avraham Avinu. And as you know, you're getting within view of the tents someone's coming, running out to you, almost like gleefully, like, 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 like almost dancing. And here you see, it's Avram. And he says, oh, Baruch Haba, I'm so excited you came. I was waiting for somebody to come. I was waiting to make another new friend. Come, come. And first he gives you a good place to rest. And he says, yeah, I'll bring a bite to eat. 
and um, he brings some delicious challah with all the good dips to go along with it. And uh, he starts engaging in conversation. He asks you where you're from and where you traveled and what you, what you do for a living and what your family. And he's listening with such rapture, such amazement. Like, like if you feel like you just, you know, reunited with a long lost best friend, everything you say is like so interesting. Is able to be with you in all the successes, rejoicing in every success, feeling with you in every disappointment, offering some good, good, good wisdom, good insight, good encouragement. Everything is with respect, with love. It's like you're amazing. And then, um, as the conversation, Rabbi, how how does one encourage others? Hold oh, give me, give me, give me a couple of seconds. And then, and then. Um, then comes out uh, his son with his tray of an entire tongue with every single dipping sauce that could possibly go with it. And you say, what's this? And Avram says, oh, my chef, he just came up with a new recipe. And we're trying to, you know, share with people because we're so excited about it. And we want to hear how you like it. We want to hear how you like every part of the tongue. We know you can't finish it, but as much as you could have and let us know if it's to, if it's to your taste, we appreciate it so much. So you're having an experience that you can't even believe your eyes, what's going on. You know it's Avram Avinu, the preeminent person of the generation. And yet, how do you feel? Like his best friend. So comfortable, so welcomed, so uplifted. You have no, you cannot describe it. It's indescribable. Okay. Where did Avraham learn that? Where did Avraham learn that? So Avraham knew that this is the nature of the Abish's Chesed, like the Gemara is saying. This is the nature of the Abish's Chesed. It's not a uh, great, magnanimous gift from on high to the lowly people that he has compassion on. No, it's all love. Like, like the Mishnah says, like Ram says, it's not out of Rachmanis, it's out of Ava, Ava, covered, heavy in your soil, and even more heavy even, the Daslam, Shnikru, Bonam, Lamokan, and even more heavy given the given the Taira. What kind of love is that? Is that like also like from a distance, some great far away loving master is benefiting me? Well, no, it's the love of closeness. What are the Mishalom of the Torah? The Mishalom of the Torah give us are all of the greatest closeness. The father traveling with his son, the father saving his daughter, my friend, my father's friend. The Gemara wouldn't tell us, if the Chazal wouldn't tell us, if the Torah wouldn't tell us, of course we couldn't possibly imagine it. That's maybe the biggest riot that it has to be MS. Could not possibly be made up that the Avishter would give us so much good, constantly, personally, 
with the love of such closeness, such intimacy, friendship, wanting to be together with us, carrying us, being with us, helping us. He says over what every person says in Torah. So what is the nature of the learning? Abraham says, come, let's learn my Torah. I'll help you. You have to work a little bit. You have to work a little bit. I want to share with you. I want to hear what you say. So, um, so this is like the kind of, this is a seer that um, I hope we could use to make it sort of, try to make it in a way where it's, it's manageable. It's like you can be comfortable with it. It shouldn't be a, a chesed. Melchim was overwhelming. Of course, you know it's Melchim Lachim, but it's Melchim Lachim. Who wants us to have that kind of relationship? So maybe then we could we could embrace it. Now, of course, there could be a significant barrier, as you know. First, you can feel how am I worthy of, of, of so much good, of so much closeness? Don't I have to earn it? How can I just receive it from Hashem just without having earned it? And here Hashem is giving it to a person, of course, from the very outset. Chavim Shenivra, Adamish is brought from the very beginning into Ganeidin, this Chachma beyond the Malachim as a starting point. And all the oinig that comes from that. And, and even after his chayte, he didn't change the Abish's Ratzon. Just now we can't be in Ganeidin. But the Abish's love and the Abish's desire to give is of the same nature. So a person that could feel, well, everything that I know is that I have to earn everything. So we have to, of course, work on that to try to um, not let those, those ingrained attitudes lock it. But if we could somehow sort of soften that resistance that you know we're not at fault for and come to believe, yes, Abraham wants us to feel his love for us, his chesed for us. He wants us to be saying b'chesed ashachar and having so enough from it. No wonder it be that a mitzvah is supposed to be so enjoyable, so pleasurable. Is that religion? There's the big problem. You think, is that religion? Religion means enjoying it so much. So, as came up in a conversation, I'll ask you, but Sof Kosov, in terms of the marshal of, of your, your, your friend and your brother, there's a certain way how to connect with this friend. You need how to connect in good ways. But um, essentially, that's the description. That's what Hillel said. It's called Atayra. Reach of Reach don't 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 turn away. Turn turn towards. Make, come closer and closer with every method. Well, let me ask you: When you get together, your friends for a little fabring, really feeling all that good connection. Is there anything religious about that? 
or if you are a member of a band that's been playing together for a good number of years and you know each other to the T and you make such good music together. Is there anything religious in that? Or if you're a part of a basketball team that's been playing together, that believes in teamwork, that's all in to be the best team they could be, and you've honed it to the point that it's just effortless. Every single member knows where everyone is on the court at every moment. When the ball pops down the fast break, everybody knows who's going to be the leader, who's going to betray the slam. It's like a work of art. Is there anything religious in that? Okay. So then we know what the tire is supposed to be. It may have a different kind of, you know, hard work to put in than in learning how to play music or learning how to play basketball. But ultimately, the experience is even a better nature. And the Ibish is Megala, a little bit of his Chachma. So if we wonder, are we supposed to be enjoying this Brachas so much? Is that what the Ibish wants? All the answer be. Yes, so that you'll know what to give to your friends, to your children, to every fellow Yid, as much as you can, to get as close as you can to the Hanoah that you are getting. So I hope this could be a little bit of a start to a different kind of experience in Davani. And I hope you can take the time to learn through that shmuz in the Sikh Hasab Mislabodki that was sent out and other good related shmuzim that can help to create the kind of feeling that David wants us to have, that the Torah wants us to have. Um, and if anybody find, finds that this could potentially be helpful, um, you're invited to share with me now or anytime. Okay, Ayulay, what was the question before? How can we be encouraging to another person? Yeah. My suggestion would be just try to be the best good friend you could be. How? Taking um, some time together, doing the things they enjoy doing, and listening. Bigger is listening. Abayah Levine was asked, how is he able to help the people that have real, real serious challenges? Say even, even the great famous Dr. Halpern couldn't help. What's his special secret? And Abayah said, I don't do anything special. I just listen with a little feeling. And I hear, and lend my ear and my heart. So, when we're able to find something really meaningful and valid and powerful and deep in every person's experience, then they will themselves be encouraged. They'll be able to sense that their life has meaning and purpose. 
especially if we can give a little um, lachizek in emuna, to know that whatever we're going through at any time is what Hashem knows is ultimate best for us. Not just a little better than what we had in mind, that this is the maximum good. Because <laughs> that's all that Hashem wants to do for us. Nothing less than the maximum. We don't always understand. Certainly not right away. That first step, we're accepting the Muna, everything Hashem is giving us. Um, but now you remind me, I anticipate that when we make this kind of presentation to ourselves or to other people of how the Torah wants us to have so much hanos, so much chesed, so much love, there will be certain questions that people might have, or that we might have. Some indications from Torah, from life, may not seem to fit so simply. Well, I recently had a thought that's able to approach this sugya is the same as any very major sugya in Torah, or in, or in any field of wisdom. It has to be a proper step-by-step -step process. It has to first be a proper foundation laid down to be able to build upon it the next step and the next step and the next step. So, like Mrs. Lasharm indicates, the understanding of Abba Sashem, Yura Sashem, Dveikus, this is a great, great Chachma. Great, great Chachma. So to approach any area of great Chachma, not be approached with all aspects all at once. You have to try to get a sense of what is the foundation? What is the of Kalatayra? And once we identify what is the of Kalatayra, as Hillel taught us, yeah, Shem's good friend. <laughs> Enjoy it to the max, now and forever. Then whatever will help us to understand that concept and to relate to that concept and to, to feel that concept, that's what will serve as the foundation for everything else to be understood correctly. And it's not even Kadai to try to necessarily give answers to all the questions right away. It's better to stick to laying down the foundation with all the good help that's available to us like from the art stuff. And to remember that that's not going to go so quickly. Like the Sridi like Aish writes that the Alter's ideas were so novel, they had to say them over again and over again and over again in Shmuzim, in Vadim, in private conversations, because they were so chiddish. And of course, we have to be aware of uh, the forces that work against Makes, they make it hard and try to do what we can to weaken their influence, to realize, okay, this is just a thought, this is just a feeling, it's not who I am, it's not defining me, it's not necessarily true, and we could sort of let it pass by those feelings that make us feel we cannot possibly be worthy of Hashem's friendship and love and kindness. But I don't know any other any other way or any better way how to start the day. If anybody could uh, 
the uh, that uh, they could relate to this. I guess they invite to share with me uh, now or anytime. Okay, I think that's uh, the full presentation, <laughs> and uh, any and all reaction is welcome. Would anybody like anything repeated? <laughs> okay, let's go around the room. We're gonna do like in sheer. Okay, Zach, give me your reaction. You hear you hear what I'm what I'm suggesting? Yeah, you hear I hear it. You hear the word? You hear my Kiddush? Um, it sounds like a uh very lofty and enjoyable uh, endeavor. Right, but 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 you have the ikunikud that I'm adding. I can't say that. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because it wasn't clear enough. That's not. That's no uh, no criticism to you. The ikunikud that I'm adding is that although we may know from Chazal, from Sefer Atzafim, all about this, there is that risk of it being too powerful. And I'm suggesting that the way to address that aspect of it being almost too powerful is to try to apply the model of coming into Avram Avinu. Avram we know he's Nesir Elohim. We know he's so great. And the Maisha, there were people like that in Klal Yisrael. If you read about Rebbe Chaim Meiser, Chavitz Chaim, Rebbe Maisha, why are you met a little bit? So you saw people that you know are gigantic and they're so close to you and they're so, so you're so comfortable with them. Rebel Yashiv, even the stipler, very like, you know, you're comfortable. So you've got a safer is reading to me, telling me a story about uh, the great Elohim of Europe and the story of his Shidduch, all the thing. Shiva, of course, you know, we knew, we knew. That's why we felt so uplifted. But yet, you're able to feel so close. It's able to make it so close, so comfortable. Maybe too much, we had to realize in one second. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, of course, I felt who's my, of course, she was my best friend. So, great people able to make you feel so close, so comfortable, so welcome. Who they say about Mr. Zalman? It's amazing. This is such, 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 his house was open. His house was open. coming in, taking it from the fridge. It's like total comfort. So, 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 Rebbe, are, are you saying, well, you're so basically I'm, saying, I'm sorry. This is just to finish the thought. So that means that we have a marshal of this is the type of personality. Where is this being learned from? The Gemara is Kemat saying, it's being learned from the Eivish, the setting the table. Because it wouldn't be where Eivish wouldn't do it. So the Eivish does, in, in a certain sense, the Gemara is describing it as being Moichel al are we supposed to forget about the Kavad Hashem? Of course not. The morale says 
That's uh, we have to maintain the Moira. That's what the Mishnah is saying. Hey, Marshmai Malachim, even though we're even the Ava. But the word is that the Ava should be, they're saying, yeah, here, here's your eyesight, here's your vision, here's your brain capacity, here's the ground, here's the carpets. Imagine the carpet being rolled out every day. It would be amazing. After a while, okay, it would be sort of, you know, it would come natural, but okay, here's the ground, we're rolling it out. Very nice. But 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 it could be, yeah, we're together. It's ba'achtus. It's ba'achtus. Morale says, Morale says that the ikra voyage of the kind Godol was to unite Klal one to another and to unite Klal with the Eivishter. That's Oyev Shalom, Reidev Shalom. Oyev is a How did he do that? was Shalom. Doesn't say exactly how he did it. How he brought people together, that before Shem say, he would go to each person and tell them how broken hearted the other one is over the machlekes. They'd also feel bad and then they would they would they would make up. The whole that itself needs a whole lima to understand it. But he was able to bring people together, he was able to bring people to Hashem, bring Khalisrol together and with Hashem. It means it's of a similar nature, it's a similar kind of an actus. Ibishta calls us and the Bainu Bakaya says we really initially had it even with the Goyim. But when Hashem offered the Torah and the Goyim declined, so they left the they left the Achva and it remained by Khalisra, who Hashem calls Achaivareya. The Bakhaivalajan says when a when a Jew is learning, the Ibish is saying over Ayle Bini Kahoimir, Fraim Bini Kahoimir. Zach Bini, Simcha David Bini, Kavachul Kacho Eimer. He's saying Bini Kacho Eimer. Kind of closest is that. Not only that Moroim, not only that Moroim, Moroim is able to saying the different thing. Every year that's learning, the Ebrish is saying Moishe Bini Kacho Eimer. Okay, Simcha, go ahead. Yeah, so, 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 so Rebbe, the way I'm understanding this is that um, you mentioned the uh, or Yashiv, people who, who make you feel totally comfortable, totally at ease yes. in their presence. Even though you know how great uh, they are, so, even though you know their greatness, you can combine right. the knowledge of their greatness with feeling like such a... <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot, I cannot describe, I can't describe the feeling of when Yashav Paskin, like the Hatir, to like help you in something. It's like, it's like, oh, it's all clear now. It's all good. <laughs> Everything is all right. That's nothing. It's like, it was, it was, it was, it's not describable. I said it many times, you know, just when he said, come in, come in, come to Rhein, just felt like deluge and sweetness. So, so how, do you, how do you apply this? So you mentioned before, it takes a lot of work. But how, how do you apply this to, to, you know, to major challenges, this feeling of welcomeness, of warmth? 
yes. to, to serious challenges that a person is facing. Yes, that's a very, that's a very important, yeah, that's a, that's a very important question. Um, and now we know that, that within the phenomenal spiritual kohos that a Jew is blessed with is the capacity to even give his life al Kiddush Hashem. Meaning to be so connected, so trusted, so wanting to maintain that connection, to be able to receive everything from Hashem and embrace it. So that's just a, a window into what kind of a, you know, wish for that kind of challenge, of course. Yeshiva's father once said to him, a person really can't know his kochus until it's, uh, it's really comes nice up. But it's showing us that a Jew has phenomenal spiritual kochus. As was shown in our history, even by ones that had strayed very far away, that it was still maintained within them and it was able to come out at a critical point, to the point of phenomenal Kiddush Hashem. So just that awareness can give us the strength and the belief in ourselves that although we don't wish for great challenges, but that everything Hashem is sending us is what He knows is what our neshama needs. Mashiv would say over many times, the Sefer Yashar Ben Atam says that a person could learn and fulfill all the mitzvahs of the Torah, but he cannot reach the shleimus without going through the difficulties of life. And in effect, that's saying that the mitzvah of is not meant to be purely a theoretical thing, which would be a great thing in its own right. But that's the Abish's kavan and the Bria is that every person needs to actually be Mekayim, Lemaisa, going through challenges of life. Now, from what I learned in the Sefer Garden of Emuna, which is extremely helpful, Sefer, is that the first step has to be I'm accepting everything from Hashem because He knows and He's doing everything for my best benefit. Absolute best benefit. Because if I try to figure out right away how it's for my benefit, it's, uh, it's just premature. Because a person, when they're in Tsar, they can't even think properly and clearly. They have to be benachas, they have to be besimcha. So the first step has to be, I'm the Kabul, whatever Hashem sends me, whether I can ever understand it or not. Then the second step could be to try to analyze how can I use this? How can I grow from this? Is there a message here that's trying to help me to wake up in some way that's maybe somehow I missed before? And that is the, the best approach to try to take. But Iker is to know that we have, Debish has blessed us with enormous koichas table to bear and to embrace what Hashem is sending us, as difficult as it might be. We may think to ourselves, who am I to be worthy or capable of such a challenge? But that we could also leave to the Ebishtah. 
He knows. He has it all figured out. And even if at one point we weren't able, we weren't successful handling correctly, can always come back. As long as we're still alive, and come back. Is, is that helpful at all, Rabbi Simcha? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the last thing you said, because uh, there are challenges where, you know, it, even though you know in your mind that uh, that Kaddish Baruch is doing everything that's for the best of us and he loves us, but sometimes there are ju- just challenges that just seem overwhelming that, that, that fear or, you know, just takes over you. And it's very hard to, uh, to handle, you know, you, you, you know, it's hard to, to calm down from, from that, even though you know that Hashem loves you and Hashem wants what's best for you. And this is all good for you. Well, but, one, uh, yeah, I, mean, one, I guess that's a lot of work. One very important ingredient, one very important ingredient is to, is, is to not to try to do it all by ourselves. Shiva said, the Torah wants the most to get a person alone in a dark alley. You need to have somebody to, to speak with. In some cases, there needs okay. to be somebody especially talented. Especially trained, especially skilled, I could be. Essentially, the Rambam says that the 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 um, device of Chazal they stress so powerfully. The includes to be able to share anything with. And Rebbein also indicates that is ruchay. So that's um, an important method that we should try to uh, take advantage of. Talmudim of the Rashiva and the Racha, they had the great benefit to be able to come to speak to Rashiva. I had one appointment where um, without uh, any apparent connection to what I wanted to speak about, Rashiva launched into a description of the nine major surgeries and illnesses that he had in his life. And I'm wondering to myself, you know, um, what is the kavan of all this? Doesn't seem to be relating directly in any way to uh, the topic of the appointment. But I guess the Shiva wanted to know, wanted me to know that um, you can go through very tough things and come through. And uh, to see the Chesed Hashem that pulled him out of those very very difficult situations so sometimes it's just a matter of coming to that full recognition that only Hashem could help me that's maybe the peak accomplishment in tefillah that's at the high end of the spectrum it starts with the with the brachos in the morning and it's, it culminates in a person reaching a point where I know Hashem, I have nothing. Only you can get me out of this. Only you can enable me to do anything. But there's a especially difficult situation. We have a little bit more of a, an opportunity to actually turn to Hashem. Experience maybe at least once in our lifetime 
that feeling of only Hashem, Hashem, only you can help. And if we ever feel that, we can know how lucky we are. Though we have to try to maintain that awareness as best we can. That's something that the greatest people are feeling every day. And we're we're so fortunate if we could feel it once or twice in a lifetime. Um, how, how did that sound? That's very helpful. Especially the idea not to take on the Sahara one-on-one. <laughs> yes. Yes. She was stressed that very much. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Okay, new ILA. What do you say, ILA? <laughs> um, did, did, I, did, I, did, I, did I explain the Muna properly? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, we're going around, we're getting, we're getting reactions. Ephraim. Any, no, any reaction? We're, we're, we're bringing it to the Yeshiva Chevelle. Halavai. The car is a new thing. Making it hot. We're making it hot. <laughs> There's no Chedushim there. But everybody needs to know it. <laughs> for There's olive bays. <laughs> Wrestle for Yeshiva. Let's go. Let's make a movement. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anybody what, else? What were, you trying to prove? what were you trying to prove, Rabbi? What was I trying to prove? Yeah. Um, no, not not trying to prove. Just trying to present a, a kind of an approach to life. How when we have different life situations, certainly you know are very challenging ones, but it, really anyone, the, uh, the the Garden of Eden is showing us that you have to first be mekabel from Hashem, then you could be benachas, kibesimcha, then the brain can work properly, and I can yeah. try to analyze properly. But when I'm trying to get rid of this problem by figuring it out, I can't get rid of it because I can't think properly. I'm too disturbed. I'm too upset. Yeah. Too unnerved. The first step has to be not just Hashem is in charge. I submit. No, I embrace it. This is, this is, this is only chesed. There's nothing else Hashem is doing except chesed. Oh, right. could this be chesed? Yeah, yeah, this could be chesed. Oh, I don't understand. That's good. That's good for you to learn. There's some things you don't understand. That's the first, best, most important lesson. Ksav Sefer says that the Mitzvah Paraduma is not supposed to be we don't try to understand it. We're supposed to try to understand it and see we can't. And we take that coming to realize, oh, there's something in Torah that I cannot understand. That's also part of Torah. Yeah. So to learn I can't understand the ways of Hashem, okay. But a little bit that I, if I could understand something, I, I'm supposed to try. I'm allowed. I'm supposed to try. I could use it if I could grow from it. If I could wake up from it. Okay. Who is C A? Oh, I know who C A is. Okay. <laughs> Maybe can I say something? Bakasha. 
Okay, uh, this is an interesting one. I want to I want to actually share something. Okay. Um, it's, it's not the happiest thing, but uh, this past year, I had a relative who got hit by a car and he passed away right before Hanukkah. And it was it was really nuts. And also the year before that, I had another relative who the same thing happened to. It was just crazy. Right before Hanukkah. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to go outside of my house this coming Hanukkah. But anyway, um, so when it happened... It was just an extreme shock. You know, he, he was the kind of guy he went to every shear possible. He was retired. He was, uh, I think, 70 years old. And he just loved nothing more than to, to go to every shear he could in his retirement. And I didn't know this, but he was part of the Hever Kadisha in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. And basically, he did a lot, a lot of chesed and staka that I was not aware of. And at his, at his Levi, you know, there was like a thousand people and they were telling things that I just never knew about him. I always loved him, but I didn't know all this about him. But anyway, right after this happened, I remember thinking how I was very, you know, like, it's very hard to accept these kind of things. So I, I was talking to Rabbi Avi Zakatinsky at the time. And I mentioned to him, you know, um, you know, why do these things happen? You know, I just, I just wanted an answer. You know, like, why do the, you know, the the age old question, why do, why do bad things happen to good people, and vice versa, whatever. Okay, yeah. So he answered me very simply, and this was through, this was actually through a text message. Yeah. And he said that, you know, and it's, and it sounded like, you know, a very vanilla answer, or even though, but I knew he was right. I knew fundamentally he was right. Mm -hmm. He answered me, you know, we have a very limited view and, and God has a, you know, the, the Omni view. No, that's not at all. Well, here's, well, listen, I apologize. Keep going. Yeah. So he basically said, you know, we can't understand, but basically we have a very limited view and Hashem knows, you know, he has a much larger view. Okay. I, so at the time, let me finish. It's a story. I want to come back to that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. So anyway, um, so basically, it was at the time it was a very hard pill to swallow, and his his answer to me was in my in my mind very fundamentally sound, but it wasn't um, it wasn't soothing. It wasn't it wasn't taking any of the pain away at the time. And even though I knew he was right, it was just still very like unanswered stuff, right? But anyway, this happened out of Hanukkah, basically, the night before Hanukkah. And if you remember, just by like, you know, February, March, the whole world turned upside down. And before you know it, everybody was getting COVID. And Teaneck, New Jersey, got hit particularly very hard. And all of a sudden, everything came into full view. Because everybody was saying the same thing about, about this person. His name was Shelley Mermelstein. And everybody was saying the same exact thing. If Shelley would have been alive right now, this would have killed him. Because he was the kind of guy that all of a sudden he loved going to Minyan. There was no Minyanim. He loved running to Shiurim. There was no Shiurim. And he was part of the Hever Kadisha. And it would have been so overwhelming for him that it's, it was my sister-in-law's father. And she was even the first one to say it. Because I kind of said it to her. And she said it to me. And everyone agreed. 
that it was almost like Hashem took him away from that misery that he would have that he would have experienced, and whatever whatever uh, whatever whatever uh, he needed to to do to complete his mission through whatever pain, if you believe in that, might have happened through the car accident. Okay. And you know, he died. He died pretty okay. quickly. You okay. know. Um, and here, all of a sudden, it was just like it was just like sort of a real. I, I have like, I have understand. to pause you. I have to pause you sure. before I forget what I want to say. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I I have a a very strong feeling, but regarding all these things, we don't understand so easily what Hashem is doing. There is a basic, very widespread tendency to try to figure out how to see it through Hashem's eyes. And that is very questionable, at the least, since you don't see from Hashem's perspective. We should look from Hashem's perspective in terms of His purpose in the world and see that it's only for Chesed. But why He's doing something, I, I question if that's the correct starting point. I would like to suggest a different type of a starting point. And that is the starting point of our own personal experience. What is our experience when we lose someone suddenly? Rather than saying, oh, Hashem had to do this, we should be asking ourselves, what is the nature of our pain? And what is the effect of our pain over that sudden loss. And if we could sense in ourselves that is on one hand very strong, much greater pain over an early loss, and certainly a sudden loss, and we have to relate to that and respect that and try to experience that in its proper way. Because that's definitely something that we know. We know we are pains and hurt by this, and ourselves personally. Um, of course, it's, it's compounded that we don't understand Hashem's ways, but it's, if you'd not be painful in its own right, we wouldn't be concerned about Hashem's ways. So we have to first relate our own experience in a properly respectful, full Torah fashion. We have to also realize that... Well, you know, Rebbe, it was like, when you said earlier that Hashem knows what's best for us, that's when it really resonated in me. Yes. But, but, but we have to also realize, when you say the large view and the limited view, we are essentially viewing things as being good or bad, successful or unsuccessful, in terms of this world, here and now, Olam Hazar. That's what we know. Olam Haba, eternal existence, is not in our, not on our radar screen, not in our purview. But if we try to redefine our definition of success, then we will not look at a short life as as being worthy of being called a tragedy. Zabishta knew how much time the person had to be in the world, what their neshama needed, what their tafkid was. 
But by the same token, the Ebishter could uh, take a person from this world in a way that it's not painful to the other people. So if we are experiencing that pain, we have to be relating to it in and of itself for itself. Not in the sense of that person lost out more time in this world. We could be quite certain that was not what was necessary for him. And maybe one of the lessons that we could try to take away from it is this very restructuring of our thinking, to think of a shorter life as an unsuccessful one and a longer life as a more successful one. Where every single moment of life that's used productively is of infinite, immeasurable success. Can we possibly calculate all the moments of good, proper living and what they add up to? And can we even distinguish between all Rabbi, those moments? I, I don't understand exactly. What you, are you trying to say that we should just not try to understand Hashem whatsoever? Because we no, we should we should try to stop defining successful life versus unsuccessful life based on the nature or the time of it in this world. If we know this world is of no meaning, no, no purpose whatsoever, except to create for a person his everlasting connection with Hashem. Can we measure which person's life was more successful than another if it was shorter or longer? We have no idea whatsoever. No way to judge that in, in, in the most remote fashion. But at the same time, we loved that person, respected that person. It was meaningful to us to be with that person. That's a big loss to us. How do we find a way to respond to that? Sometimes the way that we can respond to that is by saying that this, this experience has brought me into powerful awareness of that person's good qualities. When they, when they, when they were you know, with me alive, I was aware of it, but in a more subtle kind of way, in a more sort of, uh, you know, uh, 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 almost like unnoticed kind of way. It was there in Mela, there's the good experience, the good ashpa, being with the person, but I wasn't so clearly aware of maybe some things that I've now come to find out or be able to appreciate in the person. And maybe well, I put it this way. try to be inspired that, by that and try to follow that. that any... And that will be a whole different effect of that person's life that will only come about in this fashion. Rebbe, there's so much about Hashem that we don't know. And it's not like we're trying to say, ah, this is why Hashem know. did it. We should never but, be but I'm saying. It. And no, no, but what I'm saying is, Never. there was some clear stuff that we were able to see just a few months later. Like, for example, many people oh. didn't even get No, no, many you cannot didn't see. have a Levaya. You know how many people died and didn't have a Levaya? So, but know, who, are, here he had but who are we? Who are, who are we to sit in judgment and say, oh, this person was lucky, he got a Levaya. This person was unlucky, he didn't get that's a Levaya. Not, that's, not a, that's not like a judgment. That's a fact. I mean, it's just an absolute fact. He had no. a Levaya with a thousand people. No. That's he a was, rejection of he, Amuna. He was, he was very fortunate to have that. But that's, that's not a, a judgment. No, but that's, that's essentially... Okay, we, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think it's Kedai to go there. I think, it's, I think it's, it's understandable... It's very forgivable when we pursue 
trying to find meaning because we crave meaning. So no one can be faulted for trying to find meaning and trying to explain and trying to alleviate the pain through some kind of understanding of Hashem's calculations. I'm just suggesting that that is not the best approach to try to take. It's much, I, I would suggest much better to leave Hashem's calculations to Hashem and only say, what can I learn? What can I learn about myself? What can I learn about what that person meant to me and why? What can I learn about who that person really was? What can I take from that person into myself and make them that much more eternal? But to talk about, well, at least you got a Leviah, that's, that's, that's minimizing the potential no, it's, it's, it's actually of such not, a be honest with you. powerful experience. If you, under, if you understand that man and everything that he lived for, you would understand that if he would have lived through the whole COVID thing, for him it would have been... I, it, who was it in the Torah that Hashem took took away when you know Israel was going to head into slavery in Egypt? It was Yitzchak, right? I don't know. But... But, but whatever is, the Torah tells us, we can know. The point is, I'm just trying to say that perhaps, and I'm not trying to pretend to know the ways of Hashem, but no, is, but I know for a fact that Eddie, Eddie, don't you don't you see what's happening? able to handle COVID. That I can tell you because he couldn't go Eddie, to Urim, Minyana, Eddie, He was part of Kedisha. He couldn't have handled it. Eddie, Eddie. Yes. It's not a value to go to Shurim and go to Minyanim. No, it's this not is an accomplishment. This is that's what a, made him that's, enjoy that's not, life. No, that's not what made him. What made him was not, he checked off minion after minion after minion, sheer after sheer after sheer, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. What you made him was... Me. Rebbe, I'm not talking about in terms of a, in terms of a scorecard of mitzvahs versus averas. I'm not talking so, about that. I'm so talking why, about, then, this is, this is in, what this man enjoyed living for. So why and can't what I'm we, trying to say that during, during the COVID, he would have been deprived of all minyanim, of all shiurim, and because he was head of the Chavar Kedisha, and because too many people were dying overwhelmingly. But, but Eddie, if that's yeah. what he would have needed to go through, then it would not have been a bad thing for him. Hashem would have known that he needs to suffer not being so able to go to minyan. So he didn't need to go through it, apparently. So obviously that was not what he needed. His exactly. life was complete. His mission was complete. Why can't we be, let me finish, why can't we be accepting of the fact that his mission was complete? I'll tell you why we can't. Because we are rooted in this world. And we relate to a short life or a cut-off life as in some way unsuccessful. We view it as something less. Somebody lives to a hundred and they pass away, surrounded by all their great, great grandchildren. Oh, that's successful. We relate to success based on the, this world the experience. I would say it's just it's just a happier way to go. I mean, it's not about success. It's but I'm, I'm suggesting to you that that's not at the root of people's problem. Rabbi, can I ask a relevant question? So one second. Now, Eddie, I know this is asking a lot. I'm asking you to re-examine in yourself what you use to define success in life. 
And if you can get to the point of putting away anything of this world's acquisitions, experiences, fame, fortune, respect, even for good things, and say that is not what is valuable in life. I would say, I would answer you very easily. Only one thing valuable. I'm not saying that I'm there, but I would say the answer for me would be acceptance. Being able to accept whatever is, is what's supposed to be. Yes, but that's not what the type... But that's but not that's, what the type. That's what I would consider a very successful okay. way to live and be. Yes, that's that's wonderful and beautiful and very important quality. That's not the totality of what the Torah says. Now, if you feel that you're entitled to your opinion in contradiction to what the Torah says, that could be a problem. Is it in contradiction? <laughs> yes. Because the Torah says. We have to know the ways of Hashem, which are all chesed, mishpat, and stokka. That is what is worthy of praise. That is what gives a person the, the basis to be feeling uplifted. Das Hashem, which includes Allah, many good qualities. And we should be constantly searching to understand the fullness of what the Torah considers Das Hashem in order to know what is true successful living. And any person that is able to acquire their little portion within that, whatever amount of time it took them, whether longer or shorter, whatever their neshama was meant to acquire, whether it was a lot or a little, that is successful living. And the nature of his life and the content of his life and the particulars in this, in this, in this world are not of any significance. And if we will get to the point that we will not give a significance, then we will be much better positioned to be accepting Hashem's plan. And so you just be... said that it's about accepting. <laughs> no, we just, you just said for that. That's the no. last thing you just said, Randy. And then we will be more accepting. Yes, it will help for that too. No, because that's what it's all about: accepting that Hashem knows and we don't. And you know, the fact is, we should be happy with whatever it is because Hashem knows what's best. I think that's, okay. that's I the could, uh, it all. I could I'm support you. I'm, there. I'm just I, saying. I could support you. I could support you from the Rabban and end of bow who seems to indicate that the tach is everything in the Torah is just to say, Hashem, you are our creator, you are the master, we accept you as our master, which includes everything. I could support your position from that Rambam. And you also, you mentioned the Garden okay. of the Muna, right? At least, at least we had a little life over that. here. You know, Baruch Hashem, you brought some life to the table. Otherwise, just <laughs> me droning on and on and on, everybody's so fast asleep. <laughs> We got some love in the camp. Okay, we have to we have to sort of start wrapping it up. If there's any uh, final last um, reaction, David? I think you had a question. It's not too late. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go ahead. I don't know if it's as relevant as it was before, but we were talking about the the cutting a life short um, and the tragedy aspect of it. Obviously, the, just to tell over what in my head. Hopefully, it's in line with everything. Um, Hashem decided that this is time for the Shaman to come back. He has fulfilled this tafkid, unless we're talking about the Gulim. 
But let's say we, he has fulfilled his task and it's time for, it's for him to come back. Obviously, we are going to be sad that we have an attachment. Um, and Rabbi didn't like the word tragedy, right? That's right. <clears throat> Rabbi, Rabbi said that we have to take our experience and we have to learn how to be, to be better. I think it's a lack of respect to, to give off an impression as if the person's life was a failure and it's tragedy. If you say we miss him very much, we are very pained. It's a great loss to us. Okay. But to say a shorter life is a tragedy, Hashem's plan for a shorter life is not a tragedy. Okay, so here's where I've uh, uh, take take uh, umbrage. I don't know where I have a problem with that statement. Go ahead. Um, it's still a tragedy. It's not a failure, but it's still a tragedy, and, and on on multiple levels. Obviously, on the personal level, where those that are around are are pained, and they're now their quality of life is going to suffer. Obviously, that's good for them on one end, but it's obviously bad for them on one end, and that bad is a bad. Right? If it wasn't bad, then it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be challenged. So it is bad for them. So to that extent, everyone who is affected by them is affected that, negatively. That, that's not how I typically understand it. But if that's what it okay. means to you, okay, then, then there's no machlokas. But there's another level of tragedy where this, <clears throat> the nifter had the ability, because right when we're on this world, we have our you know, a few minutes of collecting all our mitzvahs and hopefully staying away from Averis and becoming closer to Hashem and building that relationship. And then whatever we take with us from this world is what we have with us forever, right? Nitzchiyas and Omhaba. So there is another aspect of tragedy where the person was on, let's say the person was on a growth path. And now that growth, well, everyone should be on a growth path, right? And that growth path is now ended. But, 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 but ultimately, there's going to be some point in time, David, at some point in time, the growth path will come to an end. Nebishter has a cheshbin. What is the shear of the... And there's no opportunity there. And now the opportunity is gone. So we think, we think that they were, <laughs> quote, unquote, supposed to have more? I, I, don't, I don't understand. He lost his ability... Lost from what? Lost from what starting point? From what ownership? From what base? From what? What assumed? From what assumed basis starting point? When God put us on this world, He gave us the ability to grow, and then He took us from this world and took away that ability. But it is not an unlimited ability to grow. It's not limitless. Ad Moscha. So whatever, wherever Shemesh Geyser is, the Yomoscha. But it's still bad. You say there shouldn't be Misa. We should be constantly growing. That's not going to be good either. Saying Misa is bad. And to, to acknowledge that it's bad, even if it's maybe good for us, but it's still bad. It's okay, still I don't, I don't, okay, so I, I, um, I pull back. I don't, know, I don't know enough about the topic of Misa. I cannot talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's not just about Misa. Rabbi Shalantha said it's a choik. Rabbi Shalantha we have to be like David wants, and that's And we can't say, well, it's good for him that he's, now he's going to be in Olam Haba. We can't mess it up. No, David Shalom Bachaim, it's a choik. So, yes, David wants Chaim, and if, it, if it, Chaim comes to an end, that's, uh, that's Tsar, we're supposed to cry, even if the person was already on in years. 
Abishta wants he should have lived, he should be lived forever. The Misha made it that he has to there has to be Misa. I will be Mason later. I don't know. Okay, so there's something going on there that is the that I can't say anything about. <laughs> your your perspective is that there's no inherent tragedy to death? What I'm suggesting is that the natural uh, some connotation mindset when people use that phrase is not that there's tragedy in death. At a short life, they view as, they relate to as a, a less successful one by Ulam Hazem measurement terms. Correct. In this world, what's a successful life? A very long one. Also, of course, a protective one, a productive one, a happy one, yes, pleasant one, but also a long one. A short one is viewed in the world as a more of a less successful life. And therefore, they see it as a tragedy that that person wasn't blessed with, wasn't so benefited to have more time in this world. But if you recognize this world is only is nothing other than just the anteroom, the preparation place, so then it's then that then that view is is removed, is obviated. Then you're gonna get into you know das Hashem chovitz That's not where we're coming from when we say tragic. We're not saying it's tragic because Hashem is chovitz b'chayim. Zeres akosim. It's not coming from that. Because we see it in, 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 in this world terms. And that's, you know, a deficiency in our proper akara, which is very understandable and forgivable. Okay, yes, yeah,